So, Bob, I'm question for you. Six months ago, have you ever heard of the word or the phrase social distancing? Six months ago? No. I think probably that's a, not even three months ago. <laughs> so did was that word invented for the for the pandemic? No, I bet you in scientific circles, it's a well-known concept. Really? I bet you it even came out during SARS or whatever those other massive viruses were. MERS, Middle Mid-Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, SARS, which is sudden acute respiratory system, I think, or, or syndrome. I don't know. Which You're, was also a COVID, right? Yes. Were those both COVID? I think they're both are. Uh, they're both coronaviruses, which is funny because I saw a clip on the news where a certain White House administrator <laughs> called it or said, this isn't COVID-1, this is COVID-19. Like it's the 19th iteration. I'm <laughs> like, uh, question. Nah, forget it. Forget it. Just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. When somebody like that is on the televisions and they make a statement like that, and then when they get home and they've taken their shoes off and maybe poured themselves a nice drink and sitting down with the family, does anybody look at that person and go, you realize that that really wasn't a thing that you should have said, right? Like there's no so, math there. Well, in most cases, you're right. Probably not. But you know who that person's married to, don't you? Right. I don't think he'd let her off the hook. No, not at all. <laughs> not one bit. <laughs> so, But, but yeah. also just as personal reflection, wouldn't you sit there and be like, oh, man, I screwed that up. That, that, that It's really not tied to like one through whatever. It, it yeah it would eat me alive because it's um yeah you want to be get it right you don't want to make a fool of yourself in front of everyone but i think it has a lot to do with being conscientious or not some people are just like whatever i don't care what people think you know it's kind of like the old joke with preparation h would you have liked to have been the beta tester for preparation a through g you know ah h finally ah there's the soothing <laughs> relief i was looking for <laughs> Oh, but wait, I thought anyway. the H was for hemorrhoid. Ah, no, no. Dang it. I, I'm now qualified for the White House is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> At least uh, to be a surrogate or spokesperson or whatever they're calling that person. I think she role. was the campaign manager for a while. Then, you know, just like oh, politics. Boy. Oh, you were part of my campaign. Therefore, you're qualified to be secretary of state or whatever. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like, a, uh, Okay. So, yeah, whatever. Oh, Kellyanne. Oh, Kellyanne. You are listening to The Bob and Kevin Show with Bob Beatty Bar and Kevin Gisheski. Each week we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. Our website is bobandkevin.show. And our episodes can be found virtually on any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. Well, anyway, we're not here to poke fun at politicians the entire time. Uh, you know what? One thing I was thinking about the other day is we haven't really dragged our friend Zuckerberg through the mud lately. I think um, I think maybe oh. we get a chance to do a little bit of that today, right? Yeah, and uh, it's good timing because I just watched The Social Network for the first time ever. Turns out it's a 10-year-old movie now at this point. I'm like, wow, I better watch that. So I did. So I think I only watched it 
within the last couple of years. I thought it aged pretty well when I had seen it. How about you? I thought it was great because I already don't like the man. But somebody chimed in on on the Twitters basically saying it's a, you know, whoever made the movie had it out for Zuckerberg and then they dramatized it, which I don't dispute at all. But it sure is not a good PR video. But that's 10 years old. 2010 is when that movie came out. So that's the opinion of some filmmaker that long ago. And now throw in Cambridge Analytica, throw in um, all these crazy Facebook twists and turns and like, you know, trying to to rephrase everything so it sounds friendly, but it's not really any better. Yeah, that, that was actually, I think, ahead of its time. Yeah, I think the guy who did put that together was either uh, a great prognosticator or just could see the writing on the wall that maybe no one was paying attention to at the time. Yeah, because if I would have watched that in 2010, I would have been probably, I don't know, more dismissive. I'd be like, oh, it's just Facebook. Because I was a Facebook user at the time. I probably had only just signed up maybe a year before 2010. And you probably would have been more sympathetic to like, oh, I think you probably would have agreed more. Oh, someone just had it in for Zuckerberg and doesn't really, you know, know what's going on. They're just jealous or whatever. Yeah. yeah but exactly. looking back now, the the uh, 2020 edition of Kevin. Oh, no. I think it's like, yeah. <laughs> I want some more of that. Where's where's the social network part two? <laughs> yeah. Give us the sequel. <laughs> give me the mini series at this point. They've got enough material. <laughs> Actually, I wonder if that Cambridge Analytica documentary was kind of the sequel, but, you know, because sequels tend to go off the the main script a little bit. I don't know. It could be argued that it was the sequel. Yeah. Totally different uh, genre of music, you know, a, a drama versus a documentary, but I digress. Um, but, yeah, uh, my, my opinion of Zuckerberg didn't get any better. That's for sure. <laughs> The real reason why I brought you here today for this meeting, Kevin, was kind of to talk a little bit, obviously, about some social media stuff, because I saw an article the other day on CNN, which, you know, take that with a grain of salt or whatever, because some of their stuff's been pretty outrageous lately, too, but it was a cautionary clickbait link on their homepage about being cautious about sharing your senior high school senior photo and here's why why and i opened up the article and I, I well i opened up the article and i was like damn and i started to piece together all this stuff so basically it appears to me i'm going to ask you for some validation on this and we can discuss some of these points but it appears to me if you're thinking about when you set up a new highly secure account on the internet not only do you create your username and your password but you create this long list of challenge questions in case they need to verify your identity if you've lost your password. Some sites actually present you with those questions even if you had your password correct. Um, So I was kind of going through the list of those things in my mind and I am still on Facebook for the record. Kevin is not, so he might not see as much of this, but some of this stuff does bleed into Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, Posts like, you know, hey, I know we're bored in the lockdown. Come join me in this fun activity. List all the places that you've lived since you were born. The cities. And I'm like, oh shit, that's a security question. I saw another one. 
post pictures of all the cars or describe all the cars you've owned in order. Like all these things are very specific about the in order part. And I'm like, wow, I bet you there's scraping technology that can find all these posts and start to build out that high resolution avatar that we've talked about many a times on this show. So, <clears throat> and get into your stuff. <laughs> so I read the article. It's actually very short, but so you're not wrong yeah. thinking, oh, security questions. You're right. In fact, this is one of the oldest yet most successful ways of hacking. It's called social engineering. Get people to. Oddly enough, that's how I, what I pre-titled the episode. <laughs> nice. So, you know, uh, basically you're, you're just finding ways to use psychology to get people to aid and abet their um, breaking and entering, if you will. So social engineering covers fishing, spear phishing, but it's also, you know, just reconnaissance and um, just asking people questions. I think the oldest form of this, um, it, yes and no, it's kind of like chain letters. So back in the day, um, like pre-technology, the reason it's called chain letters is you used to get a letter in the mail, then it asked you to send the same letter copy it and send it to 10 people you know and so on and so forth and you know buried in there is basically some sort of scam whether it's obvious or not you know and this is just a way to propagate it then it turned into technology where you have uh hey share this post if you don't jesus hates you or you're going to hell you know you know they they put some sort of hook in there that that you know gets you to do this and then uh I, I, for whatever reason, humans like to do this. So maybe it's a f yet another flaw of humanity. <clears throat> but the next iteration is what, what you're describing is, hey, do this thing. And because it tugs on people's, I want to participate too. Ooh, I've got an interesting list. And they throw it out there, not thinking that, you know, just two years ago, answer, you know, car number two or car number one is the security question to your bank because it's disassociated now at this point in time. And with uh, Facebook, you know, they should really rename Facebook to Leaky Civ, but I don't think it has the same panache <laughs> as as Facebook. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, you for sure have said, hey, once you put it on the Internet, it's out there. And you're also the one the first will say is there is no such thing as privacy out there. Once you put it out there, even if they say, oh, this is protected privacy, you've got a little checkbox. You click that checkbox right there. It's safe. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, that's no such thing. It's just a checkbox and I can select star in your database and fuck you, right? <laughs> Help me with some of the technical aspects of this, because I think you might understand them a little bit better than I do. Um, here's my hypothesis. Somebody nefarious starts the new chain letter, the digital chain letter, and they post it probably from a fabricated account. But if that original post, you know, cause really the, the you know, the, the instructions on all those things are like, share this post and put your answers in it's got a reference back to the original poster somehow, correct? So they, I mean, like you mentioned the the digital chain letters, you know, share this or Jesus is going to hate you type thing. And it's usually like an image meme or something along those lines. Do you think that those were used for like list generation initially? So they would get the account information and they could do a lookup and get the email address and they would build a spam database. I'm, I'm assuming that's how this all started. So I think one difference here is uh, a chain letter 
initially is designed to kind of, like I said, generate spam emails. But I think a modern hacker um, attempts to have a target. So if they're like, hey, we need to get into Bob's account. And we know Bob banks at Pick a Bank, Acme Corp Bank. And Acme Corp, they kind of they kind of fucked up because they only ask these three questions for their security questions. They don't ask like 12, you know, pick pick one of these 12 or what they only ask these three. So now wait, we're going to wait, 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 do you think they target the individual first or do they know that Acme only has three questions? So they start a viral thing that's looking for those three pieces of data. I, I think it's whatever their intent is. So if they want to attack Acme Corp Bank and they know that, hey, you know what? It turns out they only ask these three questions. So over time, we can generate these things. And then once we get a list of Acme Corp emails, or you, you know, like user IDs, you know, let's, let's say they got it off the dark web or whatnot. So they're like, hey, these are, these are the 5,000 people we can try to go after. So what we want to do is start this thing. So starting something viral isn't just something you snap your fingers or just hit send on Twitter and it's suddenly viral. So it, it may fail to launch, if you will. But every now and then they take off. And, you know, like you said, it's just one data point because how often, and please don't answer this question, how often do you change your security questions? I'll go with not often. In fact, you I'm cha- even trying to think of the UX to see. I wonder how easy it is to actually do that in most places. Right. They ask the questions and then, and then oh, wait, how do I change those? Well, what right. was your favorite whatever when you were growing up? I don't I don't even remember anymore <laughs> you know, what it was. So there's that. But, you know, more concrete things like what was your first car? What was what was your first elementary school name? Because, you know, we're old enough. What was the big security question at the credit checks? What's your mother's maiden name? So they've kind of yes. backed away from that one a little bit. Banks still ask that one. But that one was what? It was predictable. So now, you know, they kind of expanded it to what's your favorite teacher's name? What was your favorite restaurant when you were seven? Or, you know, they get hyper specific sometimes. And that's fine and good. What's your favorite fictional character? I've seen that one. But... You're right. A lot of these turn into viral memes. And I don't think, honestly, I just don't think that it's coincidence that they turn into these social media um, posts. I think that there's someone going, fuck yeah, this thing's taking off. Hey, hey, start harvesting this stuff, you know, and then we'll, we'll triangulate because guess, guess the one or two organizations that are really good at taking disparate internet information and tracking it back to an individual... <gasps> Facebook and Google, right? right. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. and that's also, I think, a really good segue for some later stuff, but I'll hang on to that one. But uh, yeah, it's, but it, it's not just me, right? It is way more than coincidental. Oh, it, it's way more than coincidental. And I'm a little disappointed at some people. Um, I won't name names, but there are some big people with many hundred thousand followers in the tech industry. So, if that kind of narrows it down. Uh, who who participate in these lists. And when you see somebody do that and you've got a reach so big, what does it encourage people to do? Right. I want to engage with, on board. with pseudo celebrity tech person. And, you know, it's like, ah. so I really feel that when a, when a person with a lot of followers, actually when anyone does it, it's bad. And when somebody who has a lot of followers gets duped into it, I really think they should know better, especially if you're, if next to your name is I work at insert big tech here and you know, former big tech there, you know what? It's like, come on, you really have no security sense at all. You're a web developer for crying out loud. <laughs> well, I think that at the heart of it all, 
unfortunately or fortunately, we're all people. I mean, that's how social engineering works. Yep. I mean, it used to partic- it used to primarily happen on the telephone. Someone would call into a place that had some kind of you know access that somebody wanted, and they would socially engineer them verbally over the phone. Sometimes with a series of calls to different still members happens. of the same organization. Right, but I mean, now it's moved to this more en masse avatar building, data harvesting. You know, and another thing that I thought of especially about the high school seniors. Remember the face app when that first came out that made you look older? Do you remember that one? Oh God. Yes. So there was a scam associated with that one that it was believed that they were harvesting photos for creating fake accounts. Right. Is that one of the conspiracy theories on that one? Uh, I'm not aware of any specific one, but I'm not at all surprised because there's um, these AI or whatever you want to call them. You can create fake faces. Have you seen those articles where they show you these 10 pictures? These 10 people don't exist because they're all 100% computer generated. And so I don't know that they would need to take real photos to be able to, to create these people that don't exist for fake avatars. But... I I think we're moving more and more to you know this 1984 surveillance society where my face is being cataloged by who? Well, right now anyone can do it. Bob, I can catalog your photo right now if I want and you can't do nothing about it, right? Oh, yeah. So actually they could be getting younger versions with the high school photo to be able to do some compositing to get a better accurate match on your face, I would imagine. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, your eyes, the certain data points of your face, no matter your age, don't really change. And so the 20 year old you versus the 50 year old you, you know, the facial recognition should be able to pick that out. It's not, not like it's analyzing your skin has changed. Your hair has changed, but it's eyes, nose, it's the triangle that is created during, you know, here, here, and here. You know, that sort of thing. Right. And that's kind of like that 10-year challenge where you'd put a picture of yourself from 10 years ago right next to a picture of yourself now. I'm sure that was harvesting facial recognition. And did you see the latest one? Our first picture or whatever it's... No. The one I see going around on Twitter right now is post a picture of yourself at 20 or whatever. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, but there's a new one on Facebook too, where you're posting a picture of you and your spouse, like the first pic, your first couple's picture. I, it, it's got to all be harvesting. It has to be. Well, there's plenty of people who love to be able to share because I think it's part of humanity. People want to share like, yeah, I want to be included. Yeah. Hey, check this out. Because in a way, it's a little bit of humble bragging. Yeah. Look at me when I just got married. Here's my wedding photo when I was actually skinny, you know? <laughs> hey, yeah, I was actually skinny. You know, now I'm me. <laughs> so. so that leads to my next question, though. It's a chicken or egg question. Do the viral things start and then bad actors jump on board and harvest the data or is the viral activity the precursor like is it all tied to the nefarious behavior i'll answer your question with another statement type question (laughs) is the stock market a bear or is it good to be in a bear market or a bull market it depends and so depending on the current situation you may be in charge. You may be the ones pushing the viral thing, or you may be the one just sitting there going, Hey, let me take advantage of this one. So I think it's both because if some, if one's organic and be like, you know, 
Sally, she creates this thing and she's totally not a hacker and she puts one out and it goes viral. You'd be dumb if you're a hacker to not pay attention to that, <laughs> right? Right. Gosh. But then that makes me feel badly because maybe it is completely innocent and I'm just the nefarious jerk who thinks that it's part of a harvesting trip. I- I think it could be both. I think it's easier to just latch on to the ones that are already viral than it is to start one and hope it goes viral. Because you, you just can't invent viral overnight. Unless right. it's a cat photo, then you can. Well, this is the one where I really want listeners to hit us up on social media and tell us what they think, what the chicken and the egg thing is. Is it nefarious from the gate or... Are these things going viral innocently and hackers can latch on top of them and, and build data repositories based on what people are sharing? Yeah. So I, yeah, definitely hit us up on that one. I'm still the, the get off my lawn guy with privacy where I still think it should be some sort of legislation that's, that says that you have to disclose to, let, let's say I'm running an internet company and I... I've collected data on you, Bob, and I have never gotten an opt-in from you. I should, A, probably be prohibited from that, and B, if I've ever gotten an opt-in from you, I should let you know through a monthly report that says, you know what, just so you know, I still have this opt-in. Because what really happens, I think, is you opt in all these places. You hit the cookie button. Yeah, accept cookies. You do this. You click all this because there's 15 modal boxes so you can read the fucking article. And then you're like, oh, thank God. But one of those was we're going to track you forever. And I think. Yeah, I think all of them have opt ins. I mean, you're opt in when you agree to terms of service. Yeah, but here's what here's the twist for me. I think at the end of the year, they should disclose. Hey, I'm the New York Times. I have this opt in from you. Just letting you know. Just letting you know you know electronic distribution and so that you can you can actually see oh yeah i do have that opt-in i forgot about that you know or and or the other thing that really chaps my ass is the terms of service usually has a clause that's i don't think that's a midwestern phrase by the way but <laughs> maybe it is <laughs> you know no. yeah, so um i it's it's like the inception terms of service because every terms of service has a clause that says at any point we can just change this and not even have to tell you really we're just right. going to change the rules. And you're still opted in, right. right? So I think there needs to be a really long, hard thought out thing that maybe they maybe a tech company who's got so much revenue, whatever the metric is, they have to now electronically disclose. And maybe they, I don't want 500 emails from 500 different tech companies saying, Hey, we've got this disclosure. So maybe it needs to be reported to the central repository. And I get an annual, (laughs) annual report that says I'm opted into all these things for crying out loud. we got credit report, you know, bureaus. Why can't we have like data report bureaus or something? That's actually pretty brilliant. Well, I try. That's my one thing. All right. That was the Bob and Kevin show. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're just going to end it right there. uh, (laughs) I think we're going to fold up our little uh, show and uh, never broadcast again because Kevin actually (laughs) solved the problem. (laughs) (laughs) What do we do now? (laughs) Well, you did see that article that I shared with you earlier today about the digital assistant for making sure that your digital assistant privacy settings are all in check. Uh, Full disclosure, I haven't read the article. So, Bob, would you please uh, enlighten me? Well, it's just one of those ridiculous solutions to a problem that the ridiculous solution probably doesn't fix the problem. Um, 
it was basically the article was talking about data leakage and your digital assistants and are they constantly listening? Are there features that you could set? And it kind of bled into social media too. Are privacy settings that you should be looking at not being looked at? Along the lines of the annual reminder that you just brought up, but the, the solution that was being presented was a digital assistant to monitor all your security <laughs> settings and notify you about, but then of course you would have to opt that digital assistant in to all your accounts to check your privacy settings. That doesn't seem like anything could go wrong there, right? No, I mean, I mean, we live in a world where we think we've evolved to the point where we think big tech can police itself. This is like having a chicken coop outside. The fox stops by and is like, hey, man, what's going on? I'm like, hey, what you doing here? Right, no, don't worry. I'll just I'll just watch all your chickens for you. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, man. And then you go back in and then you come back out. You didn't see the fox take the chickens, but the chickens are definitely gone. You know, so I I don't think big <laughs> and the tech, fox is like I don't know what happened. No, 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 no I think you went that way. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I I think at this point, and this is where like people who don't like government regulation will hate me, but I think at this point we need a regulatory agency that you know we regulate people's finances, like my credit. And I think I'm going to keep coming back to this one now. My credit, what if it's wrong? I mean, there's a lot that hangs <laughs> in the balance the of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot that hangs in the balance if that reports right or if it's wrong. So why is it that we can let people just amass data on us, let other people buy that data, do these background checks on information that we can't even see? I don't even have, like... If I do a background check on you, Bob, it'll say, okay, here's all your court filings and whatnot, and here's some other things. So the court filings are public record, but from what I understand, there's a lot of non-public information also in background checks. And unless you have some sort of right to look at your background check, how would you ever know or how would you ever be able to audit? It's like, wait, you made this decision on this report by this third party that's unregulated and I don't even get a free copy where in the financial industry, you can get a free copy of your shitty credit score if you'd like, you know, or something. You know. Right. But then you also, because of that, have the ability to dispute it and get it corrected if it's incorrect. Right. So, and that always takes me back but to- But we can't audit our own data. Can, what right does somebody have to collect information about other people? Well, there's nothing that says you can't, but man, that sure feels shitty. And that's where I think our legislation has a huge hole. Like Facebook, you know, they Zoom and Facebook um, just had a divorce because people were like, hey, Zoom, you've got this Facebook API going. And Facebook's like, oh, well, we don't collect any of that. We don't eavesdrop on any of your stuff. It's like, well, I don't have Facebook. So what data are you sending to Facebook during these Zoom meetings? You know, it's like wait, something doesn't add up here because Facebook's always got that, we just want to be able to target the or give you ads that you want. But hey, Zoom doesn't have an advertising model. Disclaimer, I don't want any ads, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> just shut that shit off. So, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't trust Facebook at all. And Google is a close second to me because Google and Facebook aren't social media companies, especially Google, but I don't think 
I've said this many times and I'm, I'm broken record. Facebook is not a social media company. It is an advertising company that happens to hook your ass in because it has relationship status and a place for you to tell us about your fucking kids. I have kids. So, okay. You're nice kids. (laughs) Man, this is getting weird. I love everyone's kids. Kind of. If they're mine, that is. (laughs) Okay. This is getting really awkward. All right. Anyway, my point is it, the Facebook is like, you know, it's an advertising company that happens just to have bait everywhere to trap your ass yes. in there. And, yes. and that's uh, the way I view it. Of course, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, Kevin, you're just saying that they got to pay for it. How do you expect it to be free? I would like it to just burn down. Frankly, I don't care if it's paid for, <laughs> you know, but that's just me. <laughs> anyway, that was a long rant. I'm oh, sorry. Man. I apologize. No worries. I- So I feel like we have some good segue material here to actually bridge over to, because we're talking about privacy and we started the show talking about, you know, the current lockdown situation, you know, COVID faux pas by administrators and whatnot, but uh, to swing it back to technology or keep it with technology, you sent me an article about Apple and Google. And I saw this one as well. When you use your phones for coronavirus tracking devices. Yeah. So it sounds like a really good idea, but I'm just trying to remain somewhat objective here. There's a couple things that are good and there's a couple things that scare the crap out of me. Which ones would you like first, Bob? Oh, man. Um, I'm going to go with scare the crap out of me first because right, that fine. seems more fun. So, <laughs> Oh, unless um, you want to do good first. You could do good. Nope. Nope, that's fine. Uh, the good is is we might be able to socially distance better and be able to have some good or better data on stuff so long as... So explain to me the social distance better. So with the app, you could look and see where there's clusters of people? Clusters of people and infected people. So you can stay away. <laughs> so now, Is your right to be infected and not known? Is that a right of privacy, though? It, I believe it is. Because uh, that's HIPAA, if you ask me. Uh, but so the crux of this is, is you have to opt in. So right there is almost like, a, well, this is doomed because if, right. if I got coronavirus, I'm not going to hit the slider that says, hey, I'm infected. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm positive. Yeah. And 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 when uh, Apple and uh, Google say, oh, well, this is uh, an- or, uh, anonymous data. I kind of, you know, kind of look at him like that one meme, like, so you're saying that you won't be able to tell it's me. You Are you kidding me? I have like this uh, device ID. You can fingerprint my device. Facebook knows how many corn kernels of poop came, you know, came out with my poop today. All right. They know everything about me. So I think you've used that analogy before. For okay. Comparison. All right. Description. Well, all right. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds familiar. I mean, so Facebook has it down. So you're telling me. When I hit this slider, it says, hey, I'm infected, and you're just going to collect my stats, that nobody, nowhere is going to correlate these things. And I call complete and utter bullcrap. So I guess I'm segueing into the scary, the crap out of me stuff with corn. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Visual. (laughs) Um, Okay, but how is this different? I guess it's different because they know, because you've opted in, but haven't some companies already released an anonymized? Yeah, I can anonymous? never say that word either. Yeah. I, I was trying to say it, but I totally bailed. 
data that's been made anonymous tracking those kids that were on spring break. Yeah. Does that not scare you that they can show like this migratory pattern of people? I mean, on one hand, on the left hand, you're like, hey, this is great. Great data for for somebody for great reasons. And then on the other hand, you're like, holy fucking shit, Batman. What the hell is going on here? Right. Right. And they could with the data that they have available, they could associate. I mean, yes, they made that data anonymous, but obviously they could associate a device ID with any one of those little blips on that map. That's an and anonymous so, blob, but it happens to be in Bob's apartment. Weird. Exactly. Good thing we don't know who it is. <laughs> so I guess one of my questions is, does the app actually matter? Um, well, yeah. I mean, because I think the idea is they want to be able... To to have people be able to self-report. I got tested. It was negative. I got tested. I was positive, etc. Right. But I got tested at a facility where I had to give my name, address, contact information. Probably one of those pieces of contact information was my cell phone, since most people have cell phones and not landlines. So the hospital could therefore release the number, which could be tied to the device ID without even the opt-in. I like- So they... They probably are tracking those people, honestly. I like where your head's at. And there's HIPAA laws that protect me because I'm t- I'm talking to my healthcare provider and my healthcare provider is already well trained on, you know, personal health information, PHI, where right. if I just willy nilly put it on my phone, I've probably just, you know, I, I've just given up my rights, you know, in the name of public health. And now they don't know who you are. It's anonymous bullshit, right? (laughs) So yeah, you're right. I don't see the point in this app right now, humbly. But are they, is the world applauding them for wanting to do this or are they? (sighs) Well, a lot of people have have brought up the privacy thing with this. So let's, let's get more into the, what scares me if you don't mind. So yeah, no go. One of the things that they said they can do is they don't even need you to restart your phone or or download anything. We'll just push it to you. And so right there, you're just like, what? You what? I have so many questions already. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. So you so if I'm the FBI and I get a warrant and I just want to push some code to Bob's phone, that's just like a built-in thing. What? <laughs> right. I have it on relatively uh, good authority that, yeah, you're exactly right. That's scary. I don't care if you if you're a criminal or your mother frickin Teresa, that should scare you, right? Yeah, I know that they I know for a fact from a very good authority that when it comes to tracking bad guys, yeah, they do exactly what you just outlined. All right, so there's that, and I, I get it. I, I understand the utility in it, but that's it should scare everybody. And right. then, and then uh, the other thing is, is the if we go back to the Patriot Act, you know, planes hit the the twin towers. It was very bad. It was a craptacular time in American life. <clears throat> then we got the Patriot Act pushed through, which gave the the government lots of powers for surveillance and whatnot. And Bob, when did the Patriot Act expire? It hasn't, has it? It it has not. So they still have yeah. that. In fact, I just opened okay. a checking account the other day. I had to I had to read the Patriot Act disclosures that came with that, so I don't do online gambling with my account. Yada yada yada. Right. Or give money to the <laughs> Taliban. Right. 
Um, so, so somebody on Twitter brought up, I think rightly so, it's not necessarily that they want to do this. It's that they'll want to do this and not want to give back the, the powers that they've acquired. Right. Know. Not close the door. But I'm actually even wondering if they can push it to your phone and not even actually require a device startup. I feel like they're just pushing an icon to you because they already have all those capabilities built in. Yeah, this is this is where I'm looking at my my phone that's going on probably five years old now, thinking, well, maybe my phone's so old they can't just do this anymore because the the pusher app no longer works because it was in like PHP and or COBOL or something. And anyway, <laughs> just saying. Don't say COBOL because apparently they're looking for a bunch of COBOL programmers. Oh now. yeah, we we've been talking about <laughs> that at work too. Apparently, unemployment benefits only run on AS400 mainframes. Great. <laughs> Did you see that they ran out of money for small businesses today too? Yeah. Um, and then uh, the Secretary of Treasury said that $1,200 should last anyone 10 weeks. 10 weeks? 10 weeks. You know how many months? 13 weeks is three months. So that's two and a half months of rent would be due during that time. Right. So... I suppose it would last you that many weeks if you just left it loose in your pocket and you dropped a little bit of it every day. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, there's just so much disconnect, I think, between those who have and those who have not. Yeah. That's incredibly tone deaf. Uh, so, um, Sorry, I got us off track. Let's get back to this uh, tracking application. So back to the tracking app. So the, so the last thing we're talking about, uh, you know, being able to give those powers back. So... It, it's like, you know, one of those, it's like a zip tie. You can make it tighter, but you can't loosen it ever, right? And this is just like a zip tie. That you is know, a zips. great analogy. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> You're on try. fire today. Yeah. Um, so uh, those are the main things that really kind of scare me about about that. Um, and then uh, I'll invoke again, second time, Bob. You know, there is no such thing as privacy, according to Bob. And... He, in principle, you're absolutely wrong. In practice, you're absolutely right. So, <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> so, um, wait, wait. In principle, I'm wrong, but in practice, I'm right. Yeah. You said. So okay, I, I just wanted to make I, sure I got that. Yeah. So do you understand what I'm saying? I'm basically oh, yeah. saying I morally, I think no, we need privacy. It's a thing. But in reality, it's like, damn, nothing is freaking private. Yeah. Nothing. In an important document somewhere, it says we have the right to privacy. Unfortunately, there's no such thing as privacy. Yeah. Um, one, one day I'll, I'll try it. HIPAA does come close, though. Yeah. Uh, my wife works at a hospital, and you would, well, maybe you would or wouldn't. Uh, they, they, get rid, they terminate a lot of nurses and, and healthcare providers for HIPAA violations. Uh, well, that's their, that's their, like, under the health safety audit stuff. HIPAA auditing is, like, right up there. I imagine, hey, we don't like we don't like Fred. Hey, get a find a HIPAA violation now, you know. And Fred's gone like in two days, so I'm <laughs> pretty sure they also use it for that as well. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate scapegoat. It is. So sorry, we're gonna have to let you go for a HIPAA violation. What? Yeah, you were carrying that piece of paper, and we could see a person's name. Sorry, you're gone. No, John Smith. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I heard you announce loudly the patient's name as you entered the room. Sorry, we're going to have to let you go. We noticed you doing your job over there. That's just not going to cut it. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, what about you? I mean, are, would you be 
willing to opt into an app if if one got pushed to your phone? I think if you would have asked me that a month ago, I would have said no. But I think having lived through this thing, I would be willing, and I don't think I would hide it from my friends if I were positive, you know, because um, I think it's important to know. So yeah, I probably would slide the slider. Also, I would slide the slider knowing that it's a totally irrelevant action. They already could trace me anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, and that's fine. I mean, um, just for for completeness would you? here. Uh, I would not want to use the app. I would definitely do contact tracing, which is, hey, I've got it. And the people I've been in contact with the last several days, I would I would let them know. I'd be like, hey, I don't know if I got it from you. You got it from me, but I got it. That's all I don't know. <laughs> so, so you might want to get tested. Kind of like those uncomfortable college phone calls, you know. Right. And so <laughs> that takes me to my next point that I didn't have until you brought up, uh, you know, sliding the thing. What if I just get the app and I slide it to the right because I I want to slide it to the right. Well, yeah, I know. There's going to be all those false positives too. But that's just like false positives in testing. I, I think we've had people who've opted out of the social distancing already. I think just relying on people for anything is probably just a really bad practice. Like people in mass, like people as a society. I I think it's, I, I would hope that it's well-intentioned like the idea of this app, but it would only have limited success because people would fuck it up. Yeah. And somebody from the UK had mentioned, Hey, if, if our government put it together, I'd be more inclined to use it. But if it's a big tech company, Oh hell no, because they've already ruined, you know, their, their thing. But of course, then I look at it and go, well, any government that runs things, they usually hire the, crappiest contractor (laughs) that's you know i'm reminded of a of a democratic caucus with an app that was government contracted remind me didn't didn't trump say that he that google was going to build them an app they had 1700 engineers what app was that again the the the, our leaders full of shit app is what it was i can't i honestly can't remember What, what was the app they were supposed to build did they ever build it no, because they were never involved with it. He like totally fabricated oh, it was that vaporware, whole... right? Right. And I think Google was working on something totally separate as a prototype for California to be able to identify testing locations. And somehow Trump said he, that they were building it for the entire country. And <laughs> who knows where the 1700 engineers came from. Got but, it. Yeah, uh, no, I think that was total just like dear leader riffing as he often does. Yeah, I had a really important question I was going to ask, and it was related to some of this shit. And I totally forty-two. Lost that's the, that's it. all you need to know. Forty-two. <laughs> no, it was actually another question I think related to technology and um, the tracking and whatnot, but it's gone. I could lost it. could we invent any technology? Like, have you been thinking like some you know some sort of shower thought? You know, you're you're lathering up both hairs, and then you oh sorry, and then. <laughs> Sorry. Ow. Oh, zigger. And then I'm, um, newly, I'm newly cleaned and shaven. That's why it looks yeah. so bald today. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, what, what technology? <laughs> so anyway, so shower thought of a money making. Yeah. What, what technology could we invent if we could just like crap something out and it would just cure this? I mean, didn't we learn anything from the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918? You know, 
isn't there something we can do to I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think I think the social distancing stuff is what we learned in 1918. You know, someone posted an article from 1918 talking about like not going outside, making sure you cover your face. Like the same exact things we're doing right now. Apparently, there's not much else that we can do. It's just one of those things. It's a I think it's a herd thinner. It's mother nature trying to rebalance some scales. <laughs> What have you been seeing on Facebook? Because uh, I was that one of those articles with, for the app on CNN. It was talking about how conspiracy theories are going crazy right now. Like they're saying, oh, the COVID nineteen was invented to to thin out the population. It was made in a lab. You know, it was a bioweapon that got out. You know, have you seen any crazy things that are getting traction? Uh, the lab thing, but you did see today on CNN that they are actually investigating that now. Who's they? The government. Which government? So remember how, like, <laughs> you know, it was the Wuhan virus and then, you know, whatever they were calling it. And then Chinese propaganda machine spun up and said that we sent it over there. Do you remember that? Yes. Like a couple yes. weeks ago. So that kind of died off. And now we are back on. It was engineered in a lab in. Sorry, Alex Jones just totally I channeled him because this is such a <laughs> tinfoil hat bullshit thing. But now CNN on their homepage, I think it migrated all the way to the far left column now, uh, the near left column, as I call it, the main column that they're investigating if it indeed was made in a lab in China. So that's the one that like has been the biggest traction one that I've seen on social media. Interesting. But I did okay. remember the question that I was going to ask about the tracking. So we had talked about government, right? doing the, the app and people would feel more secure with it. Even if it was the government or if it's still Apple and Google, you know that data is going to leak the positives in their locations. And then there's going to be this whole scam, like ripple effect of people who did test positive getting, you know, emails or robo calls and, you know, wanting them to sign up for something or pay to get something or, you know, uh, sue Sue the Chinese government to get relief from your pain and suffering from COVID-19. You know, right. it's like, ah, it, it will never end. Tracking's bad. You know, you know what the world needed right now? We needed more things to divide us, right? <laughs> um, yes. So uh, the battles that I'm seeing are with the economy. They just had a big protest in Michigan, just north of here. You know, yeah. the, all that fun stuff. And Open up now. Open up now. Yeah. Um, and with respect, most jobs in Michigan and some around here are, are the Rust Belt. It's car part industry. I don't know how many cars are getting sold right now. I don't know how many cars are getting made right now. Probably not many. Dude, Owen just got a sweet deal on a brand new Subaru Impreza. Like, I think they're literally trying to give away cars. Wow, I need to go out to Colorado. He's, well, no, yeah. he got it in Texas. Oh, interesting. Isn't Texas they, like, also is barely sh shut down in this whole thing, by the way. <laughs> Colorado, they hand you a Subaru like as soon as you like get across the border, right? Like, you know, it's, it's the like, state bird. Here's that a t-shirt. Here's a here's a little tiny flag and here's a Subaru, right? <laughs> here's a sample of our finest marijuana and here's your Subaru. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. Okay, so the Colorado welcome kit. Have you have you seen um the Netflix series? I think it's called Pandemic or 
Yeah, I think it's called Pandemic. And now I gotta Google it. Um, no, months and months ago, like what it feels like when this all started, we were binging a bunch of pandemic type movies and series, but we didn't we got burnout before we got to pandemic. Yeah, so it's like a docu-series, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like six episodes in it. I think it released in January or so. I mean, the timing couldn't have been more perfect. Of course, it was produced, you know, in 2019 early. But man, it's like scary how much you watch that and you're like, wow. Wow. Well, the writing on the wall for years has been this is coming. Like everyone's like, holy shit, this totally snuck up on us. But Everyone else is saying, nope, we've been screaming it from the rafters for years and years and years. This is coming. And guess what? It came. It's here. <laughs> so um, being in IT, um, this has been a you know interesting place. And I'm going to segue, if you don't mind. We, we can come back to this. Been doing a lot of live streaming lately. Um, a lot of servers are are kind of, I don't know, taxed, if you will. Um, but we've been using apps like OBS to be able to broadcast live stream. And a lot of people have been doing that. Do you think question for you? Do you think that there's been an, a, a significant uh, amount of shift to working from home and live streaming? Do you think we're going to have less and less in-person conferences, college, things like that. Do we think we're on just some new alternate reality path forever? Facebook just announced today, I believe that they canceled all large things till 2022. Like so, events? Yeah. Any large events. So it, which is so interesting because there's so many ripple effects from these large events, not going off like economical rip economic ripple effects. But yeah, to answer your question, short as I can, because apparently I got diarrhea of the mouth today. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that yeah, I think that everything's changing. You know, colleges, Harvard the other, yesterday was talking about, you know, will fall 2021 uh, or will fall 2020 happen in person or will, you know, I think universities are already looking past fall semester. Like, what are we going to do in the spring? For fall, we're going to be out of classic still. So you've got. So yeah, I think everything's changing. So let's let's go down the college path and feel free to punt on any of these pointy questions. But you've got a child, a, a daughter, and currently enrolled in college. Yes. Are they offering refunds or anything at this point, or they're just like, nope, this is the same thing, and just just go on Zoom, and yep, there's your degree well, <laughs> or whatever. It's funny. As far as the per credit, per class type fees, nothing's changing there. Um, in true capitalist fashion, uh, she has a credit toward room and board and a credit toward her dining plan. Not refund, credit. Of course. So eventually when they go back, it's like she's got money in her account. But I mean, yeah, it's... Uh, it's better I think than that's nothing, fair, but okay. Um, cause right. But I don't know what the repercussions are. Like, let's say that she has a life changing event and doesn't return in the fall. Does that money just go away or does she get that, you know, 30% of her spring semester back? That's, that's a very good question. I'm, I'm pretty sure people are reevaluating, um, going to in-person college 
period. You know, they may look at and go, you know, I'm just going to do an online degree somewhere. I saw I saw some people posting colleges posting about already seeing a decrease in on like for enrollment. And so. and because enrollment's down, revenue's down. Yes, I look at college as a business because it is. I don't care if they're not profit. <laughs> All you got to do is raise rates and pay yourself more, and then you can, <laughs> you know, you're still right. on profit. Um, right. So what I see also is the standard for getting into some of these colleges is probably getting lower and lower because there's just a lot of empty seats going to be in these colleges. I read that they're contemplating not having any kind of SAT or ACT requirement for incoming freshmen for 2020 fall. Interesting. Um, yeah. So standards are totally changing. Like everything is changing because they want to keep the seats quote unquote seats filled. So I see, you know, we've got a lot of colleges big and small. I can't imagine some of the smaller ones are going to, going to survive this. They're just going to be gone. Some are going to close up without a doubt. Yeah. Um, kind of tangentially on the having a kid in college thing. It's, it's a weird, so like this is a weird time period already, like without a doubt, it's just weird. But you have that weird situation where your child that's in school is 18. So they're an adult. So the communication is primarily between the university and the student, even if the parents are co-signers on loans or actually paying out of their own pocket, yada, yada, yada. So things like the the credit and the or the refund situations, it's hard to monitor those because those communications aren't happening with the parents. Mm. That seems also a little predatory, but maybe I'm over overstating that. <laughs> I think as a parent, like you are and I am, I think your gut reaction is that. But then when you frame that, like we both have adult children who aren't in school either. So when something happens to our adult child who's not in school, we're not always there. Like Owen bought a car. He didn't even need us. Like we did, he, he did consult us, but he didn't need us to co-sign or anything like that. So yeah, also probably predatory. He probably got put in a car that was more than he really honestly can't afford. But speaking of tough jobs right now, selling cars is gotta be terrible so everything's changed like selling airplane tickets i think is really hard too <laughs> probably um so the commercials they've even changed on the television right so the local car dealerships want you to call for an appointment if you want to buy a car and if i'm in sales and i've been in sales before i look at that going hey if somebody calls me this is a really good lead yeah, right. It's a solid lead for sure. Right. I might somebody who actually wants to buy a car. They're not just here to like look at something. Window shop. Yeah. Right. They're they're probably ready. And so I wonder if this will fundamentally change some of those industries where it's like, hey, you want to buy a car, make an appointment. You know, that I think it's gonna change every industry. Like our in our apartment complex, the office isn't open. Like you only see apartments virtually online now, and you sign a lease based on that. Like, I mean, I opened a checking account. Uh, I opened a checking account yesterday through the drive-thru. <laughs> it was really weird. Which would never happen prior. Never. So it started with an email to me. I filled it out, made a wet signature, took my document. It was for business um, checking. And then I took it in and I had to interact with her through the vacuum tube system. And it was just, this is like, wow, this, this is our, we we're, you know, six months ago, we are amazing. We're invincible. We are the greatest civilization ever. 
fast forward six months, I have to open a loan through a drive-thru. <laughs> you know, it's like, what has happened? Uh. Yeah, I see a lot of people like writing about the thoughts on what new normal is going to look like. And I just don't think anybody knows right now. I don't, I, I think one thing for sure is that it can't, it'll never go back. Oh, well, I can't say never, but I hope that it never goes back to what it was. I think there's, there's great lessons to be learned here and things can change and they probably should. It's just like, which, which pieces should we hold on to that we might not be able to? Well, think about sports stadiums. A lot of people in a very small yeah. amount, you know, area. So how do those go for it? Cause you know, right now they're talking about bringing back sports, but only the players, no, no fans. And I'm totally like, Hey, cool. That's fine. But is the future, I mean, this is like, this could be the seminal moment or one of the seminal moments of humanity. The next stadium may just be the basketball court. It may be just have to be just the football field, just the hockey rink, and then everything is you watch it in your home. I mean that that could be the future. I don't I don't want to open this can of worms this late in the broadcast, but <laughs> do it. Do I mean are those models of entertainment even sustainable without stadiums? Like, are the TV, do the TV deals hold it together or do ticket sales hold it together? I, mean, I don't know. I don't either. I, I know like CBS or ESPN, they pay, they spend billions per year or per whatever. So tons of their revenue is to put a product on television. The tickets, I think, are a couple fold. Having fans there is part of the ambiance because you at home watching people cheer and scream that's actually part of the the magic of it. So if you're watching, have you watched any comedy shows without audiences? They're terrible. Well, Saturday Night Live did it through uh, Zoom last Saturday. Have yeah. you watched any of that? I did. Uh, the skits were cute, but like anything that's got a monologue, like if you watch any of the late night hosts trying to do their stuff from home without audiences, terrible. Yeah, and I think they had a few fake laugh tracks that were just like terrible. <laughs> but yeah. So some things like some things are just meant for people to experience in person, you know, music, um, you know, a beer, uh, you know, uh, sporting events. Those are like some of the big ones. Basically, what's shut down right now is meant to have people. So you can survive in a non, you know, moving forward. But sports is really going to have to look hard at that and go, do we really want to? build a hundred million dollar football stadium going forward. And they probably will because I think right now I don't think that lesson or anything's changed on that front. Like they're building one in Las Vegas for the Oakland now to be Las Vegas. Yes, but they've been building that for years. (laughs) That's true. They're not going to give up now, but there's going to be a V dot next stadium somewhere. And it will be interesting to see if that changes at all. My prediction is, is it won't change anything at all because there's it's such uncharted territory to be like, you know, what? we created this amazing football stadium that has a great places to stick cameras, but no people. You know, I just does that work? I mean, just people will be know. fighting tradition, you know, in in and all that. So, wow. Or, or say they opened up the stadium, but they only sell tickets for every other seat because of social distancing. So then is it even worth it 
to sell the tickets because does the ticket sales? I I just don't know how that all equates together. Well, it's it's got to be less than every other seat because you got people in front of you and behind you that they have to be now offset. You know, and it just it just right. turns into this weird thing. And then wait, Bob, you and I can't go to the football game. Well, we can, but we have to sit every other seat. You know, very guy style. You know, <laughs> it's like the urinal rules now yep, apply. The urinal rules. <laughs> Um, urinal rules in full effect yes. at all large gatherings. So, I, and that just ruins it. I mean, how many times have you been to a sporting event and you're like, God, what did I, I should have just stayed home and watched the damn thing on TV anyway. Uh, you know? Every time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I like going to Notre Dame games and, and whatnot, but the best part of the Notre Dame game isn't the game. The best part is out in the parking lot, you know, buying food from the students who are cooking, you know, just that right there. And that will have to go away, right? You know, I mean, maybe not, but at least for the time being, I think it's going to. We need I, I'm going to be very vaccine. curious to see what happens. I'm going to be very curious to see what happens with football season. Very. Yeah, curious. I am too, because right now, I think football people are going, ah, we'll be fine. It's a long ways from now. But every day that goes by, it gets a little closer. Well, think about the financial implications of, uh, college football not happening yes that's um, such a big money deal right and and i've heard him talking about that on uh online where the football revenue is so important to most colleges it pays for everything else and if that football revenue goes away right it, it's it's not about the tuition anymore you know it could be well we went out of business because we can't play football and it could be that simple yep that could employ um, way more universities, I think, than distance learning. Speaking of sports, I know I'm, now I'm really extending this podcast. You see ESPN, <laughs> they they hosted a at-home hor- game of horse, and then everyone had to set up like their own tripod and video cameras, and then everyone's in their own home, like these famous people are playing horse. Did you see that? I did not, but I have seen a lot of examples of creativity along those lines. Uh, so Fox Sports was broadcasting esports as soon as this all went down because NCAA folded up, um, March Madness did, and they started broadcasting uh, Madden games like Madden football, like esports players against. <laughs> yeah, ESPN is just Crazy. like totally out of content right now. They're just like sucking the air really hard. Disney, which owns ESPN, um, they had a uh, furlough 43,000 people at their parks and whatnot. Um, you know, the ripple effect is ridiculous. Unemployment's like 6 million per week are losing their jobs. Eventually, that, that I mean, 6 million is not too many more weeks before that starts encroaching everybody, you know, because we yeah. can't, you can't just be like, well, I'm in IT or well, I'm in the medical industry. I'm recession proof. Well, you are to a point, but if the rest of the economy falls apart, you know, they don't need your services anymore. Uh, they can't afford your services anymore. So we've got this classic juxtaposition between public health and the economy. And you see it in the news. The politics are definitely, you know, there. And this was a thing early on in should we shut down or should we not shut down? And lots of heated arguments. Uh, about that and did, now it's did we shut down too late you know in hindsight and finger pointing um, but through all this humanity has changed you know a hundred years from now they'll be like hey remember the COVID-19 you know thing you know 
Grandpa, tell us, you know, it won't be in 100 years, but maybe 20 years. Tell us about the COVID-19. Oh, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> Jesus, I, I really hope that, that this is the landmark that we'll tell our kids about, but I feel like that's probably not the case. I feel this is only chapter one of a long book. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, I'm definitely with you on that. So the silver lining for me for all this is I think it's we're starting to, I, I think, break some um, stigmas about working from home. We're breaking some stigmas about wearing masks in public because as Americans, most people are like, that's what they do in Asia, not in America. You know, America. <laughs> I think I think this one's going to hang around for a long time here in the States too. So I really think that part of your standard gear is going to be having a mask. And um, they haven't really talked about it unless you've heard something, but I really think we need to go to like a protocol. Hey, um, so in the military, we had something called MOP protocol, Mission Oriented Protective Posture. It's MOP, it's an acronym. And so when you go into battle, you could be at MOP zero or one, and then it escalates to like four. And when you get all the way to four, you look like Desert Storm where you are you got everything kitted up. You, you look like you're the boogeyman because you've got your gas mask on. You've got everything. So I really think we need a civilian version that says, okay, we're at whatever, whatever level one, which means basically yeah. normal. Two is, okay, social distancing is in place. Three, everyone has to work from home if they can. Four, you know, then escalate this. Okay, masks are required in public. And I'm hoping that that comes out of here, not because I want to do all these things, but I think we need to be able to communicate and coordinate like that. Be like, right. hey, Indiana or Colorado, we're at we're at whatever protocol three, which everyone knows. OK, this is, you know, employers don't fuck with the employees. They're working from home. God damn it. None of this. Well, you can't work from home. Well, we don't really support. No, they're working from home or or you're just they're just going to be at home and and you can't fire. Them. Sorry. <laughs> or something like that. I think that will come out after the second rubber band. So like I have a rubber band theory. So right now, you know, everything's relaxed and we're all at home. We're all doing the things we're supposed to do. As soon as they start opening things back up, that rubber band's going to get tighter and then we're going to have to snap back to right where we are right now. And they won't come up with the protocol, but the next time, and then, you know, when we start to peek out from our shells and we get kicked in the head again and we snap back inside, then they're going to be like, all right, we're going to take this in stages. Stage one is this. It looks like this. Stage two will probably trickle down from four down to one, you know, open up slow, but yeah, it's so going to take a couple I rebounds. I think it's coming because we have two precedences of when this has actually been and is still in place. We have defense condition, which is also known as DEFCON, DEFCON 1, DEFCON 2. And that's very uh, military-oriented in Cold War. You know, hey, we're DEFCON 5. You're you're basically going to get nuked tonight or, or 1. I can't remember if 1's worse or 5. I'd always have to Google it. And then uh, secondly, we have the terrorism colors. Remember the color thing that's still around? Yep. Like, we're, we're orange. What the fuck's orange mean? I don't know. Google it. You know? Oh. But, you know... The, the the terrorism thing can never go down to like the bottom one, which means there's no threat because there's always a threat. So why do you even have that one? So right. I think we'll eventually have a, a system and um, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I think that's coming and I think it's needed. Well, well let's talk about, let, let's talk about the thing we did solve today. 
Kevin yeah. solved that we need an independent auditing agency for our online security status, basically, right? Our data privacy. Who owns what your stuff and what are you allowing them to, you know, what is your current opt-in out status with them? Right. Like the, they ha- uh, yeah. like the credit reporting agency, but for data. Exactly. So that's that's what I think would be useful. And basically, it could be government, it could be private, whatever. But there's a mandate from the government that says you need to report to an agency what if you know you have an account with Bob or with Kevin, you need to report that and you need to report whether or not you're still actively taking in information from them. And furthermore, what sort of information do you have on them? And... (laughs) At the end, this is where people are like rolling their eyes and going, oh my gosh, you know how much, you know how hard this will be, Kevin? Yeah, well, I don't care. Um, And uh, here's the steps you need to take to close your account and delete everything as best you can on the internet. Yep. I think that's, I think that's, that's a good one. I think hopefully we get toward that in the coming years. I think another thing that we solved is that tracking this disease via your mobile device as an opt-in app probably not going to work uh <laughs> yeah i think it's just too wishful thinking too too sketchy too i think it's one of those it it feels good but is it doing good and i shake my head you know yeah, yeah it feels good yeah we should do that what's it is it gonna actually gonna do good probably not nope nope right no. we'll get we'll get a government thing. contract out of it yep probably that's why yeah. google and apple will be like yeah, yeah this is great exactly <laughs> free money for them and then i think finally in the the waning minutes of the program we solved coming up with a uh defcon chart for uh getting back to normal as a society that's That's a pretty good one that's right yeah we actually solved something serious so for the two people that might listen to this hi mom uh so (laughs) (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) yes take that information and go both of you Uh, my, my family you still doing that podcast thing <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah almost every week same as always yep 60 percent right. of the time we do it every week yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, okay <laughs> we're gonna get back to that because you know what the bob and kevin show is opening up its economy we're gonna get back to regular business that's right we're bob's gonna be better all right well that's good stuff bob Guess we'll do it again yeah. some other time. Find us on social media. Let us know what you think about some of the things we talked about today. Twitter is probably the best place. The at Bob and Kevin show on Twitter. And uh, we'll check you out soon. Have a great day, week, month. Till next time. Bye. Hey, have you ever wondered how you can get in touch with us at the Bob and Kevin show? Well, first... You can try us via email at comments at bobandkevinshow.com. Or are you more into social? If so, you can find us on Twitter at Bob and Kevin Show. Or on Instagram as Bob N. Kevin Show. That's Bob, the letter N, Kevin Show. And if you're still on Facebook, you can even find us at facebook.com slash Bob and Kevin Show. And for the serious business fans, you can even find us on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash company slash the dash Bob dash Kevin dash show. How's that for a handle? Let's connect.